Hi guys. We're going to talk about Eeyore today. Yes, we're going to be talking about the melancholic temperament. So Matt said Eeyore because we keep relating these to Winnie the Pooh characters, mm -hmm. <laughs> even though those are on, in the raw state of the temperaments. But we're really excited to share this one with you. There's some tremendous um, inclinations towards the for the melancholic. And so we can't wait to share it with you. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff. So for the melancholic personality, you really get in touch with the dark side, the light side. We're going to be going through these things, some practical tips for growing in virtue in the melancholic temperament or helping somebody else grow in the virtue uh, uh, in their melancholic tem temperament, uh, but also using our journal as well. So we're excited. We'll see you in there. Part four of a five-part series. Yes. Hey, folks. Welcome to the Catholic Coaching Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Erin. And we are the Ingolds. We are the founders of Metanoia Catholic, and we are here to talk coaching in the Catholic world. Yes, where we teach people how to become students of their interior life, and we also train and coach other Catholic coaches. So we're excited to have you with us. Let's get started. Welcome back to Welcome. the Catholic Coaching Podcast. Yes, we're going to be talking about... The temperaments today, um, specifically the temperament of melancholic, melancholic. Melancholic. So don't be sad, folks, all you melancholics out there. Yeah. It's my dad joke. This is going to be fun for all the sanguins out there. All the sanguins are like, uh, can we just go back to like learning about the fun? The fun the stuff. The fun stuff. Well, there, is, there are some fun things about a melancholic. Um, they are incredibly deep. So we'll get into that. Um, but the first thing, just to kind of brief you guys, if you have not watched our three previous or listened to, if you're watching on YouTube, which by the way, if you are listening to our podcast, go subscribe to to our channel on YouTube and watch us there. Mm -hmm. If you like seeing people like I do, um, I prefer YouTube over podcasts. It's fun interactions. We make funny faces from time yes. to time. Very expressive. Yes. Um, I roll my eyes at Matt a lot, um, so that's a really cool thing. Yeah, there's a lot. Definitely watch. There's quite a few things. micro expressions yeah. that show up <laughs> that I wish we can just go delete it, but um, there they are. We're going to be real. On anyway, this. yes. But if you have not listened to our previous three podcasts, um, we're talking about the temperaments, the four temperaments. One of the oldest personality tests out there. Mm -hmm. A lot of people go back and forth, is it a personality test, is it not? Um, but the classical Catholic traditional way of explaining the temperaments are, they are the material dispositions of a person's body, actually. Mm -hmm. So it's a material part. Nature versus nurture. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't even like putting those two versus one another. But there is certainly a distinction. But we believe that grace builds upon nature. Mm -hmm. So we have to know what we're working with first. We have to know what the material is. If you're a sculptor, you want to know what type of stone you're working with. Mm -hmm. um, see what has more give, what doesn't. What are the things that you can do with this particular type of stone? Same way is how we would describe the temperaments and how they work within us. So they're a great place of self-awareness great starting point. They are certainly not your end point. Mm -hmm. I, I loathe it when people use their temperaments, myself included, when people use their temperaments as excuses to or not labels. do things. Yeah. yeah. This is me. This is just me. 
And, and that's what we don't want to do that. We want to start, have this be our starting place, kind of like, you know, when you're in the mall and it's like, you are here, you know, that little arrow. For those of you that keep going to malls, still yes. go to malls. Who still go to malls. What's a mall? I don't know. The National Mall? Anyways. Um, yeah, so that is kind of where we're starting here. So yeah. we're going to be talking about melancholic today. Yeah, and I love this too, again, with the, the temperaments. When Aaron said, you know, kind of like the sculptor working with the stone, when you know what kind of material you have, when you know what your temperaments are, you can start to choose to conform your life to the best use of that material. Because yes. some materials, they, they have a different function to them. In the same way, our temperaments, we're going to go into the kind of the light side of these things, which is where there's some natural giftedness of them. When we can start to um, conform our life through our will, through our choices, to some of those natural dispositions that come with our temperaments, you start to enter into a little bit more of those places of flow, those places of just kind of ease where you're not forcing something. It's just, it's just easy when you're kind of going with them. Now, it doesn't mean that these things don't need to be tempered and grown, grown virtue. There's some vicious inclinations that go along with that, that dark side we call them. We're gonna get into those today as well. Uh, but those mature temperaments really can be brought to the church as a great gift. And so understanding what the temperament is, is wrapped up in understanding what your gift is to the church, to the world, to, uh, to your friends and family and yeah. loved ones. And another thing that we're actually going to be rolling out, I don't, I mean, live, we haven't rolled it out yet, but mm -hmm. if you're listening to this in time, Hopefully we've rolled it out. It'll is, be rolled out by this. Is our Scheduled. temperament slash charisms quiz. Mm -hmm. So what we like about this too is, you guys, there's so many free temperaments and charisms quiz, but I don't think there's one where they combine the two mm -hmm. out there. Um, but also, because we're a coaching company, what we want to do is not just give you information. We want to give you application. We want mm -hmm. to give you ways to utilize your strengths and lean into your strengths and avoid those common pitfalls that maybe your temperament has. And so when you actually work on that material disposition, that nature of who you are, you can open up to those charisms that God has given to you to grow the church and to grow in grace, the life of grace, um, better. You can do that better. So yeah, one of the things I just love about uh, getting this information. I'm more excited for me as the coach to have this information in front of me when I'm coaching somebody, their yes. temperaments and their charisms, because it gives me an insight of a starting point and also where God's grace is working with them or God has predestined his grace to work in that person. And so it starts to kind of narrow down uh, the scope of options to, that are going to lead to a really a thriving life for them. Mm. But not to this point where it's just like, it's something where there's this going to be a universal principle for every person that is a choleric that has a teaching charism. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's some overlap, but everybody is so different in how they show up. But there are going to be some similarities there as well. And I'm excited to kind of identify what some of those universals are and how, Yeah. you know, uh, but also just completely honoring just the, the individuality as well. Yeah. And how people show up well, in this combination. Certainly as a coach, it's a... It would be yeah. a tremendous guide. So empowering. Into, yeah. Um, for, a coaching call. For a coach, for a mm -hmm. pastor. I want to find a way to also get this test in the hands of like churches so they can just do like a mass kind yes. of survey of their people in their parish. Because imagine that. Like imagine being a pastor, imagine being a minister and, or, uh, you know, somebody that's in ministry and knowing 
like having a database of all of the charisms and temperaments of the people that are there. And you mm. can start to uh, really understand like who are the going to be the people that are best fit for certain positions, right? Yes. Do Throw not hire and, me. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hire me to be an administrator. It's just, I'm just not. Yeah. Throw Clifton Strengths in there on top of it too. And it you've could. got like an amazing thing. Yes. I'm done talking here. Yes. Okay. Let's get into melancholic. Okay. Um, so basically the distinction between the four temperaments is their, this is the most basic distinction, is their reaction to certain stimuli um, and the their duration. So like the level of reaction mm -hmm. Um, the quickness of the reaction and then the duration of the reaction to stimuli. So let's just, for example, say that there's like an upsetting stimuli that happens. For the melancholic, um, they would, they're slow to react. They kind of take in information, watch things. So they don't quickly re react like the choleric and the sanguine that we covered in the last two podcasts. Those two are very quick to react. The melancholic is slow to react but with an intense reaction growing over time. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like they are gaining intel, you know, and then they're like, wait a second, this person keeps saying these things to me mm -hmm. or keeps saying these negative things to me. And, and then the reaction lasts for a very long time. So they can kind of hold on to grudges or hold on to things and maybe just they struggle with unforgiveness yeah. in a sense. It could be a California forest fire. Yeah. Like it could be the cigarette that just kind of like falls into the grass and at first is like nothing and then it starts to smolder and then it just raging fire at that point. Now, um, yeah. so yeah, that's kind of our example. Yeah. Maybe not quite as destructive. That might be a little bit too far. Yeah. Well, we're just saying upsetting things, yeah. but the same thing happens to a positive stimuli as well. So it, they're just slower to react and highly contemplative, mm -hmm. really. Yeah. One of the things too is, so we talked about the last two, in the last two, um, cholerics are re reactive to their, they use their intellect and their will a lot. Mm -hmm. um, sanguines react to their common sense power, meaning just externals. You know, it's like oh, a shiny object, squirrel, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. that's like the sanguine. Um, the melancholic is highly influenced by their appetites. Um, and their or their emotions, so their sense emotions, possibly their their um, their rational appetite, which is the will as well, um, if they are like matured, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and they are motivated by perfection or the ideal. So the descriptor of the melancholic is the perfect melancholic. If you struggle with perfectionism, or if you just really like things. Um, particularly and like you're very like you like things perfect mm -hmm. quite possibly you're melancholic yeah I think of uh, I was talking with somebody about this the other day about um, being a parent and looking at your kids and trying to kind of guess what their temperament is because they start the, these are natural dispositions you can yeah. start to see these things in their immature in state children. in their kid yeah. in your kids and so uh, we look at Avila and like Avila you know even when she was before she was even two years old, still sitting in the high chair, she loved to just. She hated having a messy face. She, was she like hated having messy on like kid. on her hands. She would clean up her her little tray. Uh, she liked to kind of put things in order. And so, like, we started to kind of. I mean, this is like very indicative of melancholic kind mm -hmm. of perfection, very orderly. Yes. Um, 
disposition. Well, you definitely want to reach out to a melancholic to maybe like help you organize mm -hmm. like this is where the sanguine and the melancholic would work really well together because mm -hmm. sanguines are very disorganized not saying that you can't grow in that discipline but um the melancholic just naturally likes order mm -hmm. um and we were we've been using the characters from winnie the pooh this is eeyore and if you know eeyore he's very uh focused on like <laughs> the sad things, <laughs> right? So there is an inclination towards sadness for mm -hmm. the melancholic. Um, Matt, do you want to speak to, to that? Or do you want to just, let's just get into the light side. Yeah, let's talk light side of, of, the, of the melancholic. Because Matt is choleric melancholic. So his mm -hmm. dominant is choleric and his secondary is melancholic. Mm -hmm. And I used to like really not like the melancholic, but I've kind of grown to appreciate it a lot more because I used to think like the caricature of Eeyore like the Debbie Downer the wet blanket uh, as the melancholic and I think in a very immature sense mm. sure it could be that yes I mean when we give these Winnie the Pooh references they're they're pretty they're caricatures they're right? like so in they're, the raw sense yeah they're amplifying yeah. kind of the extreme dispositions of the temperaments and so yeah like there's an inc inclination towards kind of being pensative pensive being quiet uh, but that's also could be an inclination to being very contemplative yes. and meditative, which are things that come, frankly, quite easy to the melancholics. I'm, I'm curious if people that are uh, doing our journal yes. and they have this melancholic disposition just feel very at ease because there's a lot of contemplation. There's a lot of meditation and consideration that's going on uh, interiorly in the journal. I will add to that, actually. Yeah. Being a sanguine coach with, with a, without a lick of melancholic in mm -hmm. me um i've coached tons of melancholics like they're they're the people who come to get help which is like a beautiful um quality mm -hmm. for somebody and they are like on top of it like they will schedule all of their coaching sessions ahead of time and boom 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 they're right on time mm -hmm. so i i appreciate coaching melancholics yeah they tend to be very aware because mm -hmm. they have that interior life that's fairly active and and uh and considering you know maybe they're high in the clip and strengths and maybe high intellection mm -hmm. right uh which is always just considering and looking at things from all different angles so so the good things about melancholic they're thoughtful they're spiritual they're deep in fact um one of the books i read on the temperaments i forget what i think it's called the four temperaments um by reverend hawk h-o-u-c-k um he said that the choleric and the melancholics are the most, like the, the temperaments of the saints. Most saints have those two temperaments, primary temperaments. Um, so they're deeply spiritual. Um, they're usually very artistic or musical or just creative. Um, introverted, uh, deeply compassionate. They're thinkers. They're usually very smart. They are goal-oriented. Um, they are detached from environments. They like to be alone. Um, they abhor injustice. They can be idealistic um, in a good way. Self-sacrificing, sensitive, pensive, reserved, philosophical, um, inclination towards reflection, uh, makes decisions based on principles and ideas, and have a high tolerance for mortification. Mm -hmm. I think of like the melancholic 
uh, merging with a teaching charism could be almost like that philosophical professor, right? Yes. That just kind of questions things, turns things over, um, and just enjoys the discussion, enjoys the exploration. Um, I think also like just if we were to open up my journal and then Aaron's journal mm -hmm. and compare the two of them, mine has few words in it. There's, but there's a lot going on in my head. Aaron's is full, completely full. Like what's inside, extroverted, sanguine, choleric, mm -hmm. needs to be out on the paper and expressed externally. Where melancholics, they, they're comfortable with an, an interior expression that doesn't necessarily have to make its way outward. Yeah. Right? Now paired with an extroverted temperament like a choleric or a sanguine. Can melancholic sanguine that exist? Is that the one that... Uh, there's there's um, questions debate on debate on, on. because they're so different. Mm -hmm. But we talked about this last time. I think I think they can coexist, um, like as a primary and secondary a sanguine melancholic, mm -hmm. um, and maybe they have reactions to certain stimuli that's different. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So like maybe something that maybe they're more attached to, mm -hmm. they can have a melancholic um, reaction. Yeah, because it's hard to say that somebody's quick to re react and slow to react Yeah, in the same kind of disposition. So that's where a little bit of the, the controversy comes in. But anyways, like pairing your melancholic with an, with that, uh, that extroverted mm -hmm. other uh, secondary could mean that you have, you're very pensive, but then you also like to share that information. Um, so I can see like a melancholic personality and a communication, somebody that's high in communication on Clifton Strengths can probably... Uh, share uh, very eloquently and mm -hmm. very deeply something uh, versus somebody that may not necessarily have that deep melancholic, more of a sanguine that is very relatable, but maybe they don't necessarily go as deep as that melancholic mind. So I like being able to just go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Aaron makes everything fun. If I was the only one doing this podcast, it'd be probably a very boring podcast. We'd go some deep places, but it'd be kind of a boring podcast. And I'm like, yeah, Tigger. <laughs> you know, boing, boing. So very much a character. Eeyore and yes. Tigger here. All right. So the dark side of melancholic mm -hmm. um, tends towards sadness or sorrow for that sense appetite of sorrow, meaning the sense appetite of sorrow when you are experiencing sorrow in your body, it's because of the thought this evil, some evil is upon me right now. Mm -hmm. So for a melancholic they will they will kind of see and find the evidence of some evil being upon them not all the time and like we say like uh, we're speaking in generalizations but their tendency towards that will be um i think of restorative as the clifton strength just kind of like you want to find a problem to mm -hmm. solve it mm -hmm. um where it, you're looking for that mm -hmm. in a sense so you're looking for that evidence to support that narrative mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. this there's some evil upon me right now and if it's not it's coming yeah so i think how eeyore had a rain cloud that just kind of followed <laughs> him around you know and even even the movie uh inside out yes sorry yeah the yeah. little sorrow character mm -hmm. very melancholic oh well very sad yes but it, I, I love that movie because i just think there's such a, a deep um it's it's obviously not philosophically correct but mm -hmm. um it it is, uh, there's this one part where Joy, which would be the sanguine character, right? Um, and Sorrow, which would be the melancholic, 
joy keeps trying to keep these memories away from sadness or sorrow. Mm-hmm. And and then, but like sorrow for some reason keeps trying to touch them. So like they're just like these joyful memories. And finally sorrow gets to touch one of them and it just brings the whole thing to completion. It actually makes it super deep. Like mm-hmm. the reason why this little girl is experiencing joy in this memory was because the sadness was overcome Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and by joy Mm -hmm. and it was usually overcome by you know other people coming in and and expressing love to her and all this stuff so Mm -hmm. i just love that because it actually brings the fullest dimension to it this is why we need everyone from these temperaments so um uh dark side of temp of melancholic we're getting back to that is motivated by problems actually uh Mm -hmm. looks at the downside can do that and i kind of gave some of those examples um, black or white thinking, very little gray. Can we pause that black yes. or white thinking? Mm-hmm. Okay, because some of the me- melancholics may be listening and be like, yeah, that's awesome. It should be black. Like, <laughs> there are things that are black and white. And it doesn't mean that there aren't things that are black and white. Sure, certainly, certainly. Morally um, speaking. Yes. Morally speaking. Certainly. But there is a, just a tendency to want the simplicity of categorizing something. Because mm-hmm. categorizing things is order, there's predictability. Um, you can kind of create safety in an otherwise very risky environment. So black and white thinking has a way of kind of reducing risk in the mind of the melancholic. And, um, and at the same time, sometimes it's appropriate, but other times it is an obstacle, right? Because you fail to really consider nuances. That gray area um, can be a little bit frustrating, right? Because it's not, mel- it's not neat and tidy. It's not neat and perfect yeah. melancholic likes to have, you know, buckets for everything. Mm-hmm. And here we are, we've got this gray area bucket. It's like, okay, where does it go? Where the sanguine like lives in gray. I remember mm-hmm. I was talking to one of my friends who, I think she had like a touch of melancholic in her. And she's like, not everything is gray, Erin. And I was like, not everything's black and white. I'm like, we would <laughs> go back and forth. <laughs> um, so anyway, okay. So some other things are, um, uh, they are, they can tend to have few friends, which could be a good, like a, they're very selective about their friends mm-hmm. and they don't like become friends with everyone because there's a particular around that. Yeah, few friends, but deep friendships. Yes. Also, I think of the relator strength versus mm-hmm. the woo strength mm-hmm. um, or the woo signature theme in, in Clifton. Yep. Um, they can be exclusive. They can second guess. Um, they may not prioritize well um, they tend to discouragement and self-pity. Um, they, they can worry over possible misfortune. Um, they can be a hypochondriac. They can be easily hurt. They can hold grudges. Um, they can be slow and sometimes indecisive. They can be pessimistic, moody, critical, overly cautious, and perfectionistic. Yeah. Um, notice how my... I said I, it can be, mm-hmm. right? Like, we can grow in these areas, too. Where's my melancholic um, tripped you up before, Aaron? Um, when you wander off. <laughs> <laughs> Do a little Irish goodbye? Uh, no. Um, so that that's probably more from, like, um, your light side, where you're just, like, kind of... Um, you're introspective and you're like thoughtful and spiritual and you're just like deep into thought and you wander off and I'm like, where is my husband? Well, it's kind of like all the time, but also like when we're at parties, like I think of, and and like Lisa 
Cannon calls me out for this when we're over at her house. She's another sanguine. It's just like everybody knows when like Matt's ready to go. Like yeah. I get up, I Feels start sad. shifting around, and people like laugh at it at the point. And like here, my motivation is like, okay, I know that an extra thirty minutes at this party is going to be thirty minutes added to uh, before we go to bed, which is going to disrupt my routine the next morning and possibly my daughter's routine. So like all of these things, these collisions are happening. And my head is kind of like, I'm inside my own head, not very present at that moment. Yes. So I would say that's where you're particular and like even the overly cautious being protective of your time in the morning, mm -hmm. which is, you know, like your solitary time. This is like your introverted time. Yeah, I really, I realize that I really need to have that. And when I don't have that in the morning, it gets very disruptive. Like there... Mm -hmm. Like when I'm sitting down and I know I've slept in, right? And I'm sitting down and all of a sudden, like I'm just starting a rosary or starting a journal and I hear that boom, 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 boom of like Avila's feet coming up the stairs. I'm just like, oh my gosh, my heart actually like, because I just know I'm losing that time. As much as I love my daughter, right? So, but those have been moments of growth for me. Anyways. Yeah. Where to next, Aaron? Yeah. Um, I think another area it shows up is just worrying for you and it's just about certain things not always but um just things that I don't ever think of not to say I don't worry but like I I just don't have that tendency to worry yeah um my old roommate from college used to come up to me and like he would he would just go like this to my forehead he has this like, like upside down v the worry v and it's just like the the angled furrowed brow he would call it and, and he it's would just, just like, go like what this. I'm thinking be like <laughs> Smooth, smooth it out. It's like always just go Only deep. it was that easy. Just go deep into thought. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm pretty sure Nick was cleric sanguine. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. If There's I could guess lot, it. Yeah. I have like this ability to just guess somebody's temperament, even just knowing them from like 10 minutes. I'm like, this is what you are. Like, am I right? And then when she gets it wrong, she just forgets that that ever happened. I guess. <laughs> I do get it wrong sometimes, but... It's usually, I'm like, no, I think you took the test wrong. So but the melancholic doesn't forget. You should take it again. <laughs> the melancholic doesn't forget. Um, yes, they do not forget. Okay, so natural virtues and vices. Natural virtues and spiritual gifts that the melancholic would have is piety, long-suffering, mm. which is like such a mystery to me. Um, wisdom, compassion, introspection reflective and have a natural inclination towards meditation and contemplation, justice and temperance. Mm -hmm. um, all good things to have. Mm -hmm. Natural vices and spiritual weaknesses. Um, there's a hesitancy. There's a, I'm going to say this word wrong, timidity. Did I say it right? You said it really well. Yes. Good job. Scrupulosity, judgmentalism, um, despair, perfectionism, pride, fearful, curt in speech. I want to pause here. Self-righteousness. Okay, yes. Self-righteousness. I like how you added that in there. But I, I want to pause here on self, um, perfectionism because a lot of people might be like, okay, isn't it good to be driven by the ideal and perfection? Like, aren't we supposed to be trying to reach perfection? Be perfect. If you're a melancholic your listening. Heavenly Father is perfect. Yes. Um, that word perfect, and I know I've shared this in a bajillion other podcasts, but that word perfect, teleos, actually means to be complete. How do we complete ourselves? Not through our own power. Mm -hmm. We can't. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we are imperfect beings. That's and, Pelagianism. Yes, and we need 
God, the our creator, to come in and perfect us. Mm -hmm. This is where perfectionism goes wrong. When we actually think we are the ones to per, to actually create our own perfection. Yeah. Like Matt was saying, that's Pelagianism. It's demanding perfection from an imperfect tree or perfect fruit from an imperfect yeah. tree. It is the law of, what is it? Law of insufficient reason. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Violates you, that. You just can't do it. So, yep. um, so it, and that can v very quickly turn into pride and usurpation of God, which are sins. You know, so th that's why we kind of put in perfectionism as a spiritual weakness or a vice. Yeah. The self-righteousness, I think that can tie back to the black and white thinking, right? Um, and uh, Like I'm right? Well, yeah, it's I'm right. <laughs> I was thinking like another one of my friends from college that like was in a, a little argument and finally he just goes, I'm right and I'm cooler. And we went... Ah, and just like laughed this. at him for the last next 20 years. I'm going to say that from now on. I'm right and I'm cooler. But, uh, but yeah, that self-righteousness can show up because it's like, no, I, I've got this. And it can really turn into a beam and splinter exercise. And so we'll get into ways that uh, the, uh, the journal can help out or just some practices to grow uh, in some of these natural virtues that we're going to get into mm -hmm. and overcome some of these vices. What do we got for virtues, Erin? Virtues that you could pray for if you're a melancholic, um, surrender to God, like just that docility um, to surrender to him and kind of like a release of that control or that perfectionism or that ideal. Um, joy, you could pray for joy, you could pray for charity, uh, self-compassion. I love St. Francis de Sales has a ton on self-compassion, like a ton of writings on that. And just kind of like, like, what is the use? I'm totally paraphrasing this, but like, what is the use of focusing on your anxiety? It's just going to cause more anxiety. What is mm -hmm. the use of focusing on your sadness? It's going to cause more sadness. So on and on. There's a great um, quote by him on that. And we even have uh, our, one of our podcasts with Dr. Kevin Boast. It was like the Catholic's Guide to Loneliness. And he talks about like how the yeah. greatest thing that you could do to overcome loneliness is change the way that you're thinking about your circumstances really challenge some of those things and that's where the melancholic uh can get stuck in its own rinse cycle rumination. Uh, and its own ruminations and kind of turn uh a small problem into something very big yes mountain into a molehill yeah molehill um, into a mountain yes 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 that's right um <laughs> Uh, they could pray for humility. It's a double-edged double coin. Oh my gosh. I get those things mixed up all of the time. You could do a whole po podcast on that. Count your lucky stars. <laughs> it makes sense in my head. So um, they could pray for humility. Um, they could pray for fortitude, prudence, magnanimity. Magnanimity. I said it. I said it right. Cool. You did do well. Melancholic saints. Saint Teresa Benedict, Benedict of the Cross. And St. John of the Cross. Mm -hmm. Those are melancholic saints. Yeah, so. you think of St. John of the Cross. He's the one that gave us the purgative way, the illuminative way, and the uh, unitive way. And so uh, very much, I'm studying him quite a bit in my spiritual direction certification of our Divine Mercy University. Um, yeah, he is one of the doctors of the church. And he was a guy that um, even in his own order, he was really persecuted within his own order. And he spent a lot of time in isolation uh, mm. because of that. But in that isolation, we can see this virtuous mind of his was constantly ruminating. And he probably on, also loved it because he's like, interesting. 
Right, but there's kind of a, a natural... <laughs> natural like, yeah, he would just... Like, likes to be alone. Cooler. Put him in the cooler. Yeah. Yeah, I think what's interesting is knowing these, these um, doctors of the church, these saints of the church, with these particular... Um, I'm sorry, with these particular temperaments, you see it come out in their writing. So it's really helpful to know what their temperament is mm-hmm. going into it and just kind of like watch, oh, okay, this is from a perspective of somebody who has that natural disposition towards melancholy. So I, I just think that's interesting. Yeah, I find it interesting the way that St. John of the Cross talks about consolations also. He's mm. just kind of like, yeah, no big deal, just let him go. Let him yeah. go. Like, don't, don't like put too much stock in those things or don't put too much stock in kind of even personal private revelation. Don't get caught up in like the emotional piece. It's like very sober, just stay sober. Yeah, says the person who has no problem with long suffering or mortification. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah. So, okay, leaning into your strengths, you have this ability to like look below the surface and see and contemplate great depth. So when you're in a, a like relationship with somebody or maybe you're a coach or maybe you're getting coached, but you really have this ability to go deep. That is like so opposite of the sanguine. The sanguine really needs to kind of like focus to go deep on things. Yeah. When I'm coaching a melancholic, I tend to find it easy to talk a lot less because they can kind of just, you jumpstart the reason cycle and that that like rumination on something good or good or something better or another way like starts to really build momentum that slow build where you can see where like this this slow build can be directed towards something very Mm life-giving as well yeah i like this one and this is actually where I, i see this show up in you a lot um but one of your strengths is everything you do has purpose and likely a process so um, if not yet, if you don't have a process yet, you're certainly working on it. <laughs> um, but because of this, like let's just say you're a melancholic mom, you probably run a tight ship at home, you know, mm-hmm. in the home. Or if you are just melancholic at your job, that's one of the things that you can tend to do is create a process. You're probably not great in roles that do not have processes, that have a lot of variety and mm-hmm. and a lot of questions coming in or a, a lot, lot of, of chaos a lot of chaos yeah you yeah like that i think of i think if the melancholic is a very stabilizing force on a team yes. as well and even as you're sharing some of those things processes uh i think of clifton strengths discipline yes as being one of those discipline hates chaos mm-hmm. wants to eradicate chaos because chaos is does not allow it to get a predictable result that it's looking for and so uh processes help get us predictable results and they help us reduce risk at that point and no risk or mitigate risk as well. So I hear even consistency is one of those Clifton strengths showing up here in the melancholy. Yeah. I love this quote by Aristotle where he says, all men of genius are of melancholy temperament. So there's a very likely chance that you are smart, you're brilliant, and you have a lot of ability to focus your mental energy um, just note, just like notice what you're focusing on because like you can be focusing on all the areas that you've been hurt and, and what everybody else should be doing differently and just focus on areas of growth. So like having that ability of focus or that Clifton strength of focus to like really put all of your mental energy into something, um, make sure you're directing it well. Yeah. I wonder as we're like talking through this, I wonder if like the current 
education system was like driven by melancholics. Like it, it yes. seems to it seems to almost where a lot you, of teachers I know are a lot I, of teachers I know are melancholic too, which is interesting. Yeah, too. but like it's they so and they're they're teaching, but then they're also the ones that are like creating the environments mm -hmm. that they know their melancholic temperament would thrive in. You know, sitting during I can listen to a lecture and be perfectly happy. Perfectly happy, just sitting there, listening, taking notes. I'm engaged. Aaron, how do you do with lectures? It's awful. I probably fall asleep. And, you know, I used to have all of my notebooks in school. Um, used to have, like, doodles, but, like, also doodles with, like, trails because I was falling asleep even while I was doodling. <laughs> I mean, it's just, like, loads of notebooks without, like, cohesive notes, but, like, doodles with tails. But so, you had lots of friends. So many friends. We found all these um, journals that my mom wrote to all of us. I mean, like five kids. She would just write us, she'd put a picture in and write us a little letter. And it was like from like the 90s. So I was like super young. And one of the things she just kept saying like, you'll do better in school. Like very encouraging with school. <laughs> just like not a, a very, <laughs> a natural talent of mine to listen, obviously. Um, but... Uh, She's like, but you know what? You have a lot of friends and that's always going to be like, you just make friends wherever you go. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was just like, those were always the encouraging moments. Like, mm -hmm. don't worry, you'll do better. Mm -hmm. Turn those C's into A's, but got a lot of friends. Yeah. Melancholic likes the structure. likes the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, here's another thing you can do to lean in. So since you were driven by high standards and driven by perfection, I already kind of spoke to this, but make sure that you do not make yourself the source of that perfection, but God, and make sure that that focus is on becoming holier and growing in virtue and even growing in charity. And some of those virtues that we said to pray, to pray about, focus your energy on those things. Yeah. Melancholic needs to get out of their own head. I think that there needs to be a structure in life to get out of your own head. And, uh, and part of that structure actually could be getting a coach. So uh, there's a virtue called good counsel, mm -hmm. right? That I think it'd also be something very helpful for the melancholic because you can get stuck in your own little world and, uh, and be totally content in there. And it may not necessarily be uh, imbued with a whole lot of truth. And so be, mm. having somebody that can uh, hold the mirror up and uh, just insert a little bit more perspective into that world is, is something that will balance the melancholic melancholic out very well. Yeah. You want to do some helpful journal exercises? Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you don't have our journal, we have a free downloadable version on our website. Um, and you could just try these out. If you are of the melancholic tendency or disposition or temperament, um, exercise one would be really great for you. Those are the successes. Um, so often melancholics love a to-do list and like things that still need to be done throughout the day. They like checking things off, mm -hmm. getting things done. Um, successes are reflecting on the day before. So saying like, what were my successes yesterday? Mm -hmm. What worked yesterday? And this is, this is really countering that Eeyore mentality, like, oh, nothing's going to get better. I have so far to go. Yeah. So what we want you guys to do is just like, like really focus on what the success, the successes from yesterday. So just mm -hmm. answering questions like what worked yesterday? Where did I see God's goodness yesterday? Where did God's grace show up? 
Um, how did I lean on God more? Um, but like with him perfecting me, there's just like all different ways that you can find success. Is anything yeah. you want to add to that? Well, yeah, I think of Dan Sullivan, Gap and the Gain, always measure backwards, right? Always yes. measure success backwards. We've got a podcast called Baptizing the Gap and the Gain. It's a good um, one. I, I think that's a good one for the melancholic. Focuses your attention on the incremental growth that you've made over time. And uh, yeah, that's a better place to be for uh, the long game. For sure. Mm -hmm. uh, exercise two, gratitudes. Another thing, like remember our minds, um, we can direct where our minds go. So if a melancholic has a tendency towards sadness, and that's not necessarily a good thing. Now, now you certainly want a melancholic coming in and maybe on a team and maybe thinking okay this might be a landmine over here and this might if it's effective it's a if, if it helps you become more productive as a team it's a great way to use it can show up as a strength yes yeah. that deliberation mm -hmm. and that restorative effort but um if if you're hyper focusing on all the things that are going to happen wrong like really direct your mind to the things that you're grateful for mm -hmm. what, what was it like Fear and gratitude cannot exist. They don't coexist in the mind. In the, the mind way. at yeah. the same time. So when you are being grateful, like really authentically grateful for things, you can't be afraid of that evil that's upon you. Mm -hmm. And the evil that's upon you is just like, okay, what I think what gratitude does is it puts us, we recognize in a place of gratitude that we've received something from a giver. Well, that implies that there is a giver, that giver is God. And now if we're aware that we're receiving something from God and that God is present to us, it can really transform uh, some of those ruminations. It's hard to feel lonely or hard to believe that you're never going to get better when God is right there, right? Mm -hmm. And you can see all this evidence. You've just gone through the exercise. There's gratitude to find evidence for God's presence in your life. And so growing uh, activities that can grow your awareness of God's presence I think is a very helpful thing for the melancholic. Yes. Great. Here's, when you're talking, I was just thinking about the four cardinal virtues. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll talk about that in the, last, in the next one. Maybe okay, we anyway. Will. Exercise three. Um, because you are goal-oriented naturally, um, you, you might ruminate, you might be like, ah, is this the right goal, so on and so forth. So we want you to kind of focus, um, like really be able to see your goal in your imagination mm -hmm. and, and just kind of picture it with the Lord. Use that like power of contemplation that you have and picture it with the Lord and then surrender it to him. That's going to be challenging for you, that surrendering I don't know where this comes up for you. As a... No, it's not so much the surrendering piece. It's it's what can be challenging is moving it from a place of abstract mm -hmm. goal uh, or it. ideal to something that's a little bit more concrete. Because as soon as we, as soon as we go from abstract to concrete, we lose a little bit of perfection, mm -hmm. arguably. Um, but if our goals only exist in the abstract, then they're only going to exist in our mind and we are meant to make visible the invisible reality of the Lord. So, Okay, uh, so like maybe just getting somebody into action. Yeah, well, getting just getting concrete. I think, like you said, use the power of your imagination for good to really be able to picture what achievement in this goal looks like. Mm -hmm. 
And think, otherwise, you're going to sit in this ideal land and you're always going to be yes. like, I'm not there yet because it's an ideal. You're not meant to arrive at an ideal. That's just a direction. But the goal is something that mm. is the building on the horizon. You're never going to meet the horizon. But if you keep walking towards the building, eventually you'll get there. Yeah, I think some motivating sayings for the melancholic is the Lord is the lamp unto my feet. Mm-hmm. Um, just towards the tendency to worry, like, oh, what if I make the wrong decision? Or, mm-hmm. And that's really where they're indecisive. It's not indecisive like the phlegmatic, which we'll get into that next podcast, but indecisive, we're thinking there is a right decision and there's a wrong decision, really being in that black or white thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so thinking that thought, the Lord is a lamp unto my feet. He's here with me right now. I can take this step, this Mm -hmm. one step towards where I think he's calling me. And then I can always reassess. Um, action brings clarity. I think that was really helpful for you as Mm -hmm. the melancholic, just to kind of solidify, like making that ideal concrete and then progress over perfection. Yeah, Love that one. Not just in action brings clarity, but imperfect action brings clarity. Yes. Yes. Don't wait for that perfection. That might trigger um, some melancholics. <laughs> but it, it, I found it very helpful for me because I, I realized how true it was. It was when I was waiting for the perfect next step to take and the perfect clarity. First of all, there's like, we're, that's that desire towards certainty and predictability. Um, and this is, but. When we have predictability and we have certainty, then we have no room for faith. And so this is where the melancholic can grow in uh, that disposition towards faith, which, yeah, you're, you're releasing a little bit of control there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are uh, taking a step that may introduce a little bit of chaos, right? But that's where we lean on the faith. And so these exercises, you know, not huge, massive, massive steps, but like little steps at a time yeah. to still be able to control the chaos. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to quit my job. I'm going to start this thing that I've never done before. It's like that's introducing a whole lot of chaos. You know, I think you're bringing up a, a good point. So when we are like effectively trying to help the temperaments move from their natural inclination, maybe like their natural fallen inclinations, uh, we tend to think oh, let's go opposite extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think of, like, quitting smoking <laughs> when I used to smoke. Going cold turkey never worked for me. Like, it was, like, the complete opposite extreme. Some people, it might work for them. But, mm-hmm. like, I, I think just baby steps with this stuff and being, like, what if today I make the most perfect decision that I know I can make through prayer? So I think that's kind of like the baby steps. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but like today I'm going to make the most complete decision that I have received in prayer and I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's a little baby step. Um, every other exercise in the journal is very natural for you. Going deep, going interior. We have tons of stuff in our academy that all of you melancholics would love. If you're not a part of it, highly recommend it. Um, again, we're going to be actually like the focus of July is going to be the temperaments. Yeah. So we have coaches here. Like if this is something that you're like, ah, I want to learn more. I want to learn how to challenge these areas that I'm kind of naturally inclined towards or lean into my strengths more. That's what we're going to be focusing on the four different temperaments and how to help you guys also We have not talked about this at all in these podcasts, but like 
how melancholics or your temperament shows up in relationships mm -hmm. or how to, if you're a sanguine and how do you talk to a melancholic? How do you really kind of engage them or, how, you know, like just those are like the dynamics that we're going to also be talking about, which I'm excited. Yeah. And this is something that we also, a lesson that we also have in our course, Catholic Coaching Foundations. Yes. It's, it's actually a fairly new release, but it's, we've taken all the content from our purgative way coach training program and we've made that available in the self-paced course there's a whole lesson that's dedicated to coaching in the temperaments being aware of your own temperaments and how you show up mm -hmm. and where you might be showing up in a way that frustrates growth in your client but also being aware of your client's temperament and how to navigate that and show it best uh, to support them in their growth so and that's the one that like everybody says for the most part they love that like one. that's their favorite one yeah it's just I, super practical and helpful. It, whether you're a coach or not, if you just want to like improve your marriage or improve your relationships, like it's a great, great, great um, lesson for that. Yeah. yeah. So come join us in the Academy, guys. That's all we have for you today on the Melancholic Temperament. Join us next week. We're going to be talking about phlegmatic. That's Winnie the Pooh. And so we're going to be diving into that one. And yeah. And if you guys are in the Academy, come check it out just for a month. You know? Lots of fun. Yeah, so fun. Get coached. Definitely one check one, it out. Twenty minute calls. The month of the temperament. This really appealed to you. Come check it out. Alright. See you guys next week. See you next week. Bye. Hey folks, we hope you enjoy listening to the Catholic Coaching Podcast. We want to invite you to take up our journal, the Metanoia Daily Seven Seven Exercises to Renewing Your Mind. If you want to experience daily transformation, Go to metanoiacatholic.com and get the journal. Treat yourself. Mm -hmm.